Today's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate for him and the sheep listen to the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Peter. Thank God. Thanks, Bryson. Good morning. Today is Palm Sunday, and I want to invite you to get out those palm branches again as we wave them one more time and wake you up a little bit, right? And I want you to repeat after me. I forgot mine, so uh, there you go. Anyways. I, I, I gave a little jab at 8.15 about uh, forgetting palm branches because they weren't wave nip, but uh, yeah, now I even forgot mine then too. Oh, well, all right. Thank you. I got two. All right. Let's go. Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed, is the one Blessed is the one who comes in the name, of the, name of, the of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. You can put them down. On this Palm Sunday, we uh, dive into our last, uh, second to last installment of our Lenten sermon series, I Am. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Gospel of John, Jesus' I Am statements. And this week, we look at I Am the Gate. Over the past couple of weeks, we've heard Jesus say that he is the light of the world, the bread of life, the true vine, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life. All ways to associate things that are around the people in the crowds at that time. Uh, to help them understand who he is as the son of God, the savior of the world, and what he has come to do to usher in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day, a day that you have brought us here and a day that we have assembled as your body, a body of believers. And God, we come this day to uh, to shout Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord as we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And so God, we pause, recognizing that today is a bittersweet day. As we recognize Jesus' entry, we also know what comes in the next couple of days. But God, we pray that we might look and rest in each moment as if it were the first time. Nudge us, poke us, and prod us this day. But keep us in the sight of Easter. Helping us to know and recognize that resurrection is coming, Easter is coming. And so God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are a rock and our redeemer. And together, all of God's people said, 
Last year around this time, there was a news story about a man from nearby Silver Spring, Maryland, who was startled out of a dead sleep. And in this interview, the homeowner said that it was a pretty normal night, pretty uneventful They had been watching a movie. He and his family had been watching a movie. They had been laughing. They had been cracking jokes. And they even uh, started roasting some marshmallows in their fireplace. After After everyone went to bed that night... The homeowner was awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning, and at first he thought there were some raccoons getting into his trash cans. But as he looked out his window and looked out outside, there were no raccoons in sight. And then he heard the banging again and again and again. Bang, bang, bang. It wasn't a gunshot. It was banging coming from inside of his house. And then he heard the cries for help and pleas for help. Help! Help! Bang, bang, bang. Help, help, help. As the homeowner walked down the stairs, he heard them again and again, and they got louder and louder, and then he approached the living room and he said, Hello? The homeowner had said that, and in response he heard, Ah, help! Hallelujah! Someone has come to my help! Hail Mary! Hallelujah! Sorry, I know there's some babies sleeping. Maybe I should be a little quieter. He heard it from within his walls, and then he heard some more. Ah, help, help. Where are you, the homeowner said. And he called out, in the fireplace came that shocking answer. And sure enough, there were some feet dangling by the flue in his fireplace, the feet of a burglar. The burglar was stuck in his fireplace. The homeowner had called the police to report this strange, loud noise. And, oh, yeah, by the way, there is a burglar in my fireplace, he said to the police and the fire department. Five minutes later, the police and fire department arrived on the scene. And sure enough, they found a pair of legs dangling by the flue in the fireplace. And the burglar had pried off that wire cap at the top of the fireplace and had climbed down into the chimney and got stuck in the narrow duct. And after about 90 minutes of some disassembling of some of the masonry, the burglar was set free, taken to a nearby hospital. Crazy story, right? Real story. July, uh, January 8th of last year, NBC4, YouTube it, look it up. Real story. I'm not going to lie. But I want to tell you that if I was that homeowner, I don't know what actually happened in the five minutes that the homeowner and the burglar waited for the fire department and the police department to arrive on the scene. But I want to tell you, if I was that homeowner, I would have pulled out my Bible and I would have gave a burglar, that burglar that's stuck in my fireplace, a pointed reading of our scripture passage this morning. Truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter by the door but comes in another way is a thief and a robber. Enter through the doors, people. All right. Don't go down the fireplace. You are not a jolly man in a red suit. 
doors and gates are synonymous with each other in the Old Testament and even the first century world. Though in our modern lenses, there is a distinction between a door and a gate, right? A door is a uh, part of a house or a building, but gates are typically part of a fence. But functionally, they are the same. Both provide and control access to something, and they are all entry points. Throughout the Bible, gates are mentioned in association with things like a, a site of justice, a place of assembly, and a place in need of defending. Gates are highlighted in the Bible as a place where justice was demanded and dispensed. In Deuteronomy, we read of the elders sitting at the gate to administer justice, and in Amos, we hear of the people, the prophets, standing there at the gate administering justice and calling upon justice for God's people. Gates were also a place where people had assembled in Jeremiah's writings as he prophesied, giving his oracles and his prophetic statements. We read that he did it at the temple and at the gate of the temple. Both inside and outside of a gate was usually a plaza, a place of commerce, places where merchants would sell their goods and a place where they had social interaction with one another. The gates were also seen as weak points in the structures, no matter if it was a building or a wall or a fence. A gate controlled access to things like the city or the temple and acted as entry points that needed to be defended and secured, especially at night and especially when there was attacking happening in that region. So when Jesus begins, and if you haven't already, open up your Bible to John chapter 10. When Jesus begins in verse 1, saying that anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a bandit, well, obviously, duh, right? If someone was trying to climb in from some other way, that was a sure sign that they were not supposed to be there. The very fact that they do not use the, the gate or the door means that this person is up to no good, right? Think of that robber, that burglar trying to enter that home in Silver Spring, Maryland. In contrast, Jesus says, and he goes on in verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd is going to be not going to be climbing those walls, trying to retrieve his sheep, his property, but he uses the gates. A shepherd doesn't have time to dilly-dally, to go around. He's got sheep to lead and sheep to care for and sheep to go from place to place. Jesus says it is the gatekeeper, the one who opens the gate for the shep- for the sheep. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And they listen to him. The sheep pen that Jesus is talking about here in John 10 is uh, a place where there was all these rocks that were gathered around, but only one opening. There was probably uh, the modern day equivalent back then of, of barbed wire, thorny bushes and thorny branches surrounding that sheep pen. And there was only one opening so the gatekeeper could control entry and things that would exit. The gatekeeper was there so that no one and no thing else other than the sheep could come in. And that no one and no thing, nothing else could go out. He was the watcher to ensure that no sheep went out and no one other than the shepherd came to get the sheep. 
for the public sheep pen that Jesus is talking about. This was a common held thing where many shepherds were throw in their money to provide this night watchman, this night guard some wages so that he would stand there all night as the night guard and watchman to care for the flocks of the sheep and the shepherd all night. And then when morning came, he would give the sheep back to the shepherds. But if there was no night watchman, that would fall as the job of one of the shepherds. They would come to that narrow opening and they would call their sheep. In verse 3 and 4, it says that the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them and leads them. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you remember from a couple of weeks ago as we heard Jesus' statement from this exact strange scripture passage, but a little bit later, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd calls the sheep us by name and reminds us of whom we belong and whom we shall return. The sheep, Jesus says, the sheep will not follow the voice of a stranger in verse 5, but the sheep will run from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. There's intimacy between the sheep and the shepherd. Wherever the sheep go, the shepherd has already been there first. He goes ahead of them, not simply to point the way, but to make sure that everything is safe. Make sure the way is safe and steady. Up to this point, Jesus has been followed around by not only his disciples and some Jewish folk who were interested in his teachings, but he was being followed around by some Pharisees, right? They're trying to catch him, trying to trap him, saying that he was spreading heresy, trying to say that he was going against their establishment, the religiosity of that day. And so John adds a little footnote here, a little side note in verse 6 where he says, Jesus used this figure of speech to the Pharisees, but they didn't understand what he was saying. He's been trying to claim and explain how he as the son of God has come into this world to redeem this world using analogies and explanations of things that they would be familiar with, and yet they still don't get it. They were familiar with sheep and shepherds, thieves and bandits or thieves and robbers, and yet they still didn't get it. Why didn't they understand? Well, Jesus goes for the one-two punch, and he goes for the jugular, and he says, listen, explicitly, he says, directly, he says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is telling us that he is not only the shepherd of the sheep, but that he is the gate of the sheep. He's showing this contrast between him as the son of God and the Pharisees who he described as the thieves and robbers. I am the gate, Jesus says. The gate by which the sheep can enter and find safety and security and pasture. Jesus, in saying that he is the gate, that all who enter through him will be saved, is that embodiment of God's saving love that was sent into the world. Amen? While the thief and the thieves come to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus as the gate comes so that the sheep might have life and have it abundantly. This Jesus as the gate embodies and incarnates that I am statement that Pastor Emily lifted up last week from John 14. I am the way and the truth and the paying attention. That's great. I am the way and the truth and the life. 
There is only one gate to the sheep pen. And Jesus says he is the gate. He is the way to life and life in abundance. He is the way to pasture for the sheep. He is the way where they can find nourishment, where they can find food and sustenance, to find green pastures and still waters. And the gate, my friends, is the way in which we are able to come into life, new life, and life in abundance. Amen? Today we are at a high point in the season of Lent. Today is Palm Sunday as we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, but also a day that we look at Jesus as the gate. I am the gate, Jesus says. All who enter by me will be saved. And they will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. I, Jesus says, I came so that the sheep might have life and life in abundance. On the normal Palm Sundays, we usually hear of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, not on a sheep, but on a... Amen. We usually hear about uh, the crowds that are gathered there, throwing their cloaks on the ground in front of Jesus, and then they're carrying their palm branches. Where are you at? Come on. You got them. Saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one. Do some of you lose your palm branches? Who comes in the name of the Lord? We usually hear that story as the crowds gather there and say those terms. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. And much like the sheep and much like the crowds of that day, we too are given a choice. Are we in with Jesus or are we out? Are we going to follow Jesus or are we going to go against Jesus? For many in the crowds that day, they had come to Jerusalem and they had already made a choice in their admiration. They had already shown up because they wanted to see who Jesus was and what he has come to do. And this parade that Jesus was leading into Jerusalem was not a parade at all, but it was a protest protesting the temple and protesting how it had become a marketplace, protesting the religiosity of that day and how it had gotten away from what God had intended, much like the thieves and the robbers who had led people astray and had stolen and killed and destroyed. Jesus, though, has come to show us the way, how it really is in God's kingdom. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was not what the faithful Jews had been expecting, what they were anticipating in the Messiah. They expected the one who would come riding in on a valiant steed, overthrowing the government, coming in and slashing all of the establishment and coming in and putting down the rule of God by whatever it took. But this procession that Jesus is leading is not the only procession that's taking place in Jerusalem. It was six days before the festival of Passover and Jews from all over the countryside would come in to Jerusalem for their annual pilgrimage celebration of Israel's uh, Israel's liberation from slavery in Egypt. And as two million people or more came into Jerusalem, the government had enlisted more and more people to secure and make sure that there was safety in the Judean area. And so the prefect or the governor would come in and make sure that things would be kept in order. 75 miles away usually is where the governor or the prefect lived in Caesarea Maritima. But this prefect and governor came to Jerusalem. He traveled to make sure that things would go smoothly. 
you know him as Pontius Pilate. Pilate was known for wanting to make sure that there was peace in the region under his rule. And he was even known for the senseless beatings and killings. And Pilate was not one for the religiosity of that day unless it benefited the empire. But Pilate knew that if there was any sort of uprising that would come from the Jewish people against Rome, it was during their Passover celebration. That would be their best opportunity. And so on one side of the temple near the Mount of Olives, you have the one who had commissioned two of his disciples to go into town and borrow a colt in preparation for their parade into Jerusalem. And on the other side of the temple, the western side of the temple, surrounded by thousands of people, soldiers on horseback with swords tightly against their waist, armor shimmering in the Judean sun. It was Pilate, the governor, the prefect. Riding through the main gate of the city of Jerusalem. The Jewish people had more of their messianic expectations met in Pilate rather than Jesus, right? There are many contrasts between Pilate and Jesus. On the one side, you have the one who is called the Prince of Peace. And on the other side, you have the one who is called the Keeper of Peace. On the one side, you have the one who is coming in to claim that the kingdom of God is at hand. And on the other, the kingdom of Caesar. Jesus not only came to speak about who he is as the son of God, but to show us and to fulfill the prophecies to usher in the kingdom of God. Jesus, as the living embodiment, is this illustration of the gate that we heard this morning. He gives us this living illustration as the gate by what he did on Palm Sunday. And as he rode through Jerusalem, through the Mount of Olives, he entered the temple through the eastern gate. This wasn't just any way into the temple. This was the gate. Jesus went in through the eastern gate that provided the most access to the Jewish temple. The eastern gate had two doors. It was the gate of mercy and the gate of repentance. And through Jesus as the gate, we are given access to God. Jesus is the one who offers us a way to acknowledge our sin before God and repent. Amen? Jesus is the one who shows mercy upon us and where true salvation comes. Jesus is where we find pasture and still waters and life and life in abundance. On that first Palm Sunday, you have people who shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then in the next breath, they shouted, crucify him. Jesus wanted to get them to make a choice. Are you in or are you out? Are you with us or are you against us? On this day, there is a pivotal word that is the crux of everything, and that is bittersweet. This day is bittersweet and a dangerous day because it has the creaking door, and it leads to the horrors and the pain of all that is going to come this week. But my friends, the good news is that Easter is coming. Amen? Resurrection is coming. In the face of many dangers and many moments that are filled with suffering, there is triumph and victory because even though it seems like the whole world has rejected Jesus, God says, let there be light. Amen. Later this week, as we continue to follow Jesus to the cross that looms ahead of him, we will gather around the table yet again and watch as he takes bread and takes the cup on the eve of his betrayal, and on that night as he breaks the bread and gives the cup, he says to his disciples, and even to the one who will betray him, this is for your redemption. Remember me. 
And so, my friends, as we come this morning to the table of the Lord, we come with our contrasting viewpoints. We come with our confusion because at this table, all are welcome. Amen. The sinner and the saint, the righteous and the unrighteous, the good and the bad. The gate is open, Jesus says. All are welcomed at this table, even the ones who shouted Hosanna in one breath and in the next crucify him. Jesus is calling you to this table because he is the gate, the way to eternal life, the way and the gate of repentance and the way and the gate of mercy. But here's the thing, friends. In meeting Christ here at this table, it's our decision to follow him, to leave everything behind and follow him to everything that is ahead of him, even death and death on a cross. So as we come to this table, come because you are willing and wanting to seek the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Come because you want to meet and expectedly meet the one who is the true vine and the true bread. Come because Christ is the gate and he has opened up salvation for you. Amen.